Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and I'm excited that you're joining us today in the Word of God, whether you're here in the studio or you are watching online whenever you're watching. Could be a month from today, but praise God you found us and this great teaching in the book of Galatians. And uh, I, I tell you what, it's, it's nothing like having the Word of God, learning uh, what God's Word says, and then learning through experience as we allow the Holy Spirit to apply what we're hearing. You know, that's one thing I, I tell our folks here at Crossway Church all the time. You don't learn sitting in the chair. You don't learn when you come to church. You hear when you come to these meetings. You hear when you come to church. When you leave, if you're humble and you will uh, allow the Holy Spirit to apply what you've heard, you don't learn until the applying process Starts and some people say, "Well, no. Part of the learning process is hearing." If you want to think that, go right ahead. I won't blast you out of the water for thinking that. But I never learned how to ride a bicycle till I got on it and started pedaling and fell over my own self. So uh, anyway, you hear the word, and then faith can come if you submit to it. And uh, so. Uh, Last week, we began uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and that's where we'll start today when we get into the Word. Just a, a couple of reminders that all these teachings and all of our worship services that we have here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas, uh, are uploaded on my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Uh, we have a church app uh, where these uh, same things are there. And uh, we have on podcast, it's an app you can get on your phone. Uh, on the podcast, I have a channel called uh, For Those Who Have Ears to Hear. There's a couple of hundred messages on there, some of them only 20 minutes long. And also another channel on the podcast app is our Crossway Church uh, app as well. So we're many avenues available for you along with our website, thecrosswaychurch.com and my Pastor Curtis Facebook page where I daily post uh, Proverbs, Scriptures, one verse, how it applies to Calvary every single day. Today was the first verse in chapter 15, so I'm getting close to being halfway through. And so I encourage you to be a part of that uh, in all these avenues the Lord has given us to publish His Word and be a helper Help us do that. Don't just like, hit the like button or make a comment. Share uh, these messages and these teachings if you have access to do that. <clears throat> One last thing before we pray this morning. If you are watching and you are commenting along the way, praise God for you, but stay on topic. Uh, do not run off and draw attention to yourself just by uh, saying all kind of things and stay on topic what we're talking about because that's very distractive. So let's ask the Lord to give us today this daily bread we desperately need. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in this place, to, to have the Word of God before us where we can look upon it, we can hold it with our hands, and most of all, we can watch you impart it into our hearts, God. And I pray that you would give us the daily bread we desperately need on this day, Lord, that faith would come today. And as we learn to, to listen and learn to hear and learn to apply your Word, and we thank you for what you've given us that we might live by faith in Jesus name amen, amen. so uh, this is session 45 uh, 
chapter 5 of Galatians on the 26th day of October 2018. I like to uh, try to remember to tell us where we're at and when this is all going on. So I used to have a chalkboard up here and I'd have all that written down, but I think Brother Terry puts it on the screen for us along the way. Thank God for that and the Mayfields doing what they're doing. Uh, one, one more thing before we dig in this morning, this Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m. live, me and Evangelist Mayfield and Evangelist Christopher Jones will be starting a new topic of justification right here in the studio at 3 p.m. this coming Sunday. It'll be live streamed, so I encourage you to tune in. It'll also be archived in, in uh, the playlist on our website, uh, together in truth. So avail yourself to that. Join us here in the studio or online. Look forward to talking about that. Chapter 5, Galatians, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And last week we begin in this first verse. We discussed this, and I don't really want to stay tied up here too long. You could stay tied up in verse 1 for a month or more. Uh, but one thing I do want to bring out is something we've brought out over the several years in teaching this message, and that is, uh, although both words, liberty and freedom, are mentioned here, and they both can be uh, mean the same thing, but they also are different. Uh, and I always give this example. When Christ died on the cross, that was Him taking the key and unlocking uh, uh, the jail cell of sin, so to speak, that we were all in, the bondages that we were entangled in, his death was the key unlocking and opening the door. But it takes faith in that for you to get up and walk out and experience the freedom that he offered you through liberty. He liberated all of humanity through what he did at Calvary, but only those that come to him by faith in what he did will be found getting up and, so to speak, getting out of sin, forgiven, forgiven of sin and walking in a place where they are daily delivered from sin. So he liberated you at Calvary. You can experience the freedom that comes with that liberty if you put your faith there. You know, you could be locked up in a jail cell. Somebody walk by and open the door, uh, unlock it, open it, and say, you're free to go. You've been liberated. But if you're hard-headed and, 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 and mad just because you're the one that didn't unlock the door and open it for your own self, well, you can stay there and rot. But Jesus has opened the door. He's offered you freedom through what he did to liberate you and to make you free. And that's what the Bible means here. It's all about the cross. That's what we see in verse 1 of chapter 5. You're to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, what Christ did at Calvary, wherewith he made you free. He liberated you at the cross, not anywhere else. And if you don't stand there, you will be you are entangled in a yoke of bondage, whether you know it or not. It makes no difference if you know it or not. This, we're talking about the plan of God, the mind of God, the will of God. And if God says you're not standing in that place, you're in bondage, my friend. You're in bondage whether you know it or not. There are people out there shouting the praises of God, tears rolling down their cheek, swinging from the chandeliers every Sunday, bound in a horrible way under law. 
And that's the whole reason, the entire reason for this letter to be written to the uh, 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 Gauls, the Galatians here in this church is because they were under attack by the Judaizers who'd showed up telling them that they were not actually saved unless they were circumcised and followed the law of Moses. If, if you remember that, early on in this teaching, we brought that out. And just for a moment to prove what I just said, let's look at Acts, the book of Acts chapter 15 this morning. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Uh, if I can get over here, Acts chapter 15. It says it in those words. We hear preachers say it, and we need to turn there and look at it. Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Think about that. And let me, let me remind us, salvation comes with the imputation of righteousness through grace, by faith. And if you look back at Abraham, who is the figure of the father of the faith for all of us, Gentile and Jewish, he was, he was made righteous before he was circumcised. Are you with me? Circumcision was a sign of his righteousness. It wasn't the other way around. He was righteous, and God gave him a sign of that righteousness. And, and, and see, that's what was wrong with the Pharisees and the Judaizers and all of them. To them, it was all about the outward and not what the inward, not what God did for Abraham on the inward. And so you got to be careful about that, and we'll talk a little bit more about it today, that people are all over the world today telling Christians you're really not saved unless you commit this work, could be water baptism. Again, water baptism comes after you've already been declared righteous by God through your faith in the cross. And, all, and I'm going to give you something real simple this morning that'll just, uh, if, if you have a heart for God and, and a, an honest heart, you'll take this and, you, and you'll understand it and you'll, and you'll be very thankful you've heard it. All the works that we can possibly walk in are only in Christ. There are no works we can participate in before we're in Christ. You can't work your way into Christ because all the works are in Christ, Ephesians 2.10. If you're outside of Christ, you're not born again, and some man's telling you you have to commit a work, whether it be water baptism, circumcision, uh, whatever it is, it's a lie because you can't work your way into Christ. You can, by faith, believe in what he did at Calvary and believe your way in. The only place you can work yourself into is hell. You can't work yourself into Christ. You can't work yourself into heaven. That's been paid for and the work done for you at Calvary. And they, those things need to be stated. Once you're in Christ, that's where the works are. There are no works God calls legitimate that will accept you working outside of Christ. So that, that, that's very simple, isn't it? That's very child kindergarten that there are no works God will honor outside of Christ. So that means you can't work, do a work to get into Christ. See how simple that is. That's very simple. You'd be amazed that people claim Christian don't believe that. Amen. So uh, we've been liberated through the cross, and if we stand there in that 
liberating power of the Holy Spirit through what Christ did at Calvary, we won't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But if we, if we get carried off through listening to these men that tell us if you're not water baptized, you're really not saved, just like they were saying in this day. If you're not circumcised, you're really not saved. Let me tell you something. Anybody that's pointing you to something you have to do to be saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, anything from the Lord and everything from the Lord is free. It's free. 1 Corinthians 2.12, it's free. It's all free. Y'all kind of quiet in here this morning. That's all right. I'll get louder for all of us. Glory to God. It's all free. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't do anything. And I know, and listen, one, one fallacy and, and thing that's very deceptive is that they come along and they say, you have to do something to prove you're justified. No, no, no. In verse 1 tells us what we've got to do to have a manifestation of our justification and liberty and freedom. And that stand where you were found standing when God saved you. And that was in faith of the cross. Stand there. Amen. Folk come along and tell you, yeah, you're saved, all right, or, but you've got to do something now to prove it. Listen, I'm doing it when I'm standing with my faith in the cross. Folks come along and say, well, if you're not out there feeding the poor, you're not really saved. If, you're not, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. If you don't go to church, if you don't tithe, you're really not saved. No, those people are under law. The law speaks to them. They're bound under the law. They, they're not walking with God because God won't walk with you under the law. He won't walk with you under the law. So <clears throat> we move on today, and, and now it's going to get real serious. Everybody say serious. It's going to get real serious, and, and what we're going to begin to read here is, is really uh, something that is more relevant today for today's church as much at least as it was when this was written to the church in Galatia because there are more men today who literally have been born again. They are uh, Some of them are called by God, but they're just ignorant of the truth, which is the way of the cross, and some of them just are rebellious and rejectors of it, and they're, 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 they've been moved out of the faith. So, and you're going to see some things that are very blunt, and let me remind us, they mean what they say. You, you don't, there's no need to go buy another translation of the Bible that changes this, removes it, twists it to make it more appeasing to our flesh that will only bring great corruption to our lives. We need to take it as it, as it is written. Don't go buy another version of the Bible because you don't like what it says because these things were very... Serious. This is a serious matter, what we're about to move into. Just as serious as some of the other things we're not really fond of that even Jesus taught. That those that love me are doing what I told them to do. If they're not doing what I told them to do, they don't love me. Now see, we don't like that. we got to rewrite that and get us a whole new translation of the Bible. That's not, listen, that will kill you. You need to understand, Jesus meant what he said. No, that's just your interpretation. That's that old King James Version. Let me tell you something. It's a word-for-word -word translation. And every time they go and retranslate this Bible, it brings harm to those who have it. Every single time. So, here we go. First of all, in verse 2, he says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, 
He's writing this letter. I want you to know, this is Paul writing you. I'm not with those lying to you. I'm the one who gave you the gospel, saved your soul. The Spirit of God moved in you. You saw miracles. It was so powerful. It was just as if Christ had been crucified before you. You can see all that written back in chapter 2 and 3. It was a powerful move of God, miracles, salvation, filled with the Holy Ghost, miracles taking place. And here comes these people trying to bewitch them and move them out of the faith under the law where grace can't operate. And we'll see that as we move through these scriptures. He says, but that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now it's words like this that will make those who are driven by the flesh uh, write a new version or rip this out of the Bible today. They'll rip it out. Because what God is doing today in the lives of those who will be honest and and have a receptive heart and a willing mind, He's showing them the simplicity and the clarity of the Scriptures. That on every page, in every chapter, in every verse, the message of the cross is being revealed. Every chapter, every verse, on every page, the Scriptures are about Jesus. And what it is about Jesus that we need is what He did to liberate us and bring all provision from heaven that we need every single day of our lives. And they don't like this when you're telling them that the Word of God, these are the words of God through the Apostle Paul. Don't ever forget that. This is the Word of God, not the Word of Paul. This is God's Word speaking through Paul. If you go and get circumcised, Christ cannot profit you anymore. Think about that. If you do, go and believe that. And listen, what he's saying is, if you do, they're saved. This is not about people who are deciding which way to go for salvation. These are Christians. These are Christians who, just like in our Today's church will be lied to and told, now you need to understand you're not really saved unless you're water baptized or you're not really saved unless you do this or do that. And what happens, they begin to move their faith from the cross, out of the liberty, out of the freedom, back into the yoke of bondage of law. It's simple to do. I've been there. Never deceived about what it took to get in the kingdom, but very deceived about what it took daily to keep my faith in, to have daily the power and the provision of God. A moving in the operation of the Holy Spirit. And most of the church today doesn't know this. They just flat out don't know it. And unfortunately, most of those who claim they're Christians, I hate to have to say this, don't want to know it. There's no desire there to know it. You start talking to most Christians today uh, about churches and preachers and books, and they'll talk to you. But when you just start talking about the Scriptures, the Word of God, they will leave your company, my friends. They have no desire, and it makes you wonder, are they even Christian? Or are they Christians and they're just so embarrassed that they know they should know more, but they don't, so they have to leave. I'm not the judge. I don't know where they are, but I know that's a dangerous place either way you go. So he says, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Why, why, why is it that Christ can't profit you, even the child of God born again on your way to heaven, but all of a sudden you're in a place where Christ can't profit you anymore because you're not dependent, and this is a confirmation that your faith has to be in the cross. Not just Christ, 
Not Christ and circumcision, Christ and water baptism, Christ and Him crucified. This is confirmation of that right here. Uh, and this is the reason, because you can't trust in Christ and a work you do. That's like saying, come on, let's build a golden calf, and tomorrow we will have a feast under the Lord. No, only through the blood will you have a feast under the Lord. Only through faith in the cross can you come together and worship and be in unity. And listen, that's what they did. Can you say this with me? Fifty. Fifty days after all the miracles in Egypt, all the great deliverance, fifty days, Moses goes up the mountain. They're already building a golden calf with their earrings and their rings and their necklaces and their stuff. See, we too easily are caught back into our stuff, and our stuff only can build a golden calf and bring self-righteousness. We stop depending on the blood. We're no longer dependent on Christ, and he can not profit us. He can't profit us. If I'm listening to a man, and that's what happens to every Christian, we listen to people. We're moved away by people. I mean, that the, yes, the devil is behind it. But listen, his instrument is people. That's why the New Testament says, let no man beguile you, let no man deceive you, let no man steal your crown, because they can deceive you, they can beguile you, and they can steal your crown of righteousness, your crown of life. They can steal it from you and, and, and have you walking in a place where your mouth says Christ, but your heart is not toward Him. The only way your heart can be toward Christ if it's toward the sacrifice. That's the work He did. That's not the work you do. That's the work he did. And as long as your faith is in that, you're standing in the liberty and you're, and you're in a place where now Christ can profit you all the benefits that he died for you to be able to have. He is the mediator of the new covenant that he said is in his blood. Think about that. And he can't profit, benefit you, affect you through any of the benefits that are free if you get caught up under trying to work for them. Do something for them. Amen. It's good stuff this morning. Now, I'm going to read some of my notes here I got written. I don't want to write them and just for me and not share them. Now, we have something that has been missed for years in most of the church, and I speak from experience my own self. I've been in this place where the Lord had to show up through a minister, just like he did through Paul to this church, using the same words that Paul gave to this church through ministers today to bring me back to a place where Christ can profit me. Because if I'm not in a place where Christ can profit me, even though I say I'm right and I, my faith is in this and my faith and I'm shouting and worshiping and all that, listen, I'm in a place where Christ can't profit me. And if Christ can't profit me, then my faith is really in men. So, Paul the Apostle spoke here of circumcision because this is what the Judaizers were using with Scripture. Men always bring Scripture. But it's always out of context if it doesn't point to Christ and us standing in that liberty wherewith he made us free. It's out of context. Just like the Judaizers were using scriptures, but it was out of context. The avenue of righteousness was by grace 
through faith in the sacrifice. Again, Abram was already righteous before he was circumcised. A true believer, a true Christian is already saved and born again before they are water baptized. If you get that backwards, you're still not a Christian. If you thought you got in through your water baptism, you ain't in yet. If you thought you were a Christian because you went to church, you ain't in yet. Remember what we talked about? You can't work your way in. I don't care how long he's loved you as an uncle or a granddaddy or a good co-working friend that's paid your electric bill and helped your family. Listen, that's all things the enemy can seduce your flesh through and make you think because they've helped you and they love you, they must be right. Let me tell you something. If they're not pointing you to that which Christ did to liberate you and to give you freedom, they don't love you like you think they do. Amen. Amen. And that's a different kind of love. We won't get into that this morning. In our day, there are many things being told the people of God that they must do, listen to me, to be saved or do to find the power of God after they're saved or do, we've already mentioned this, to justify their salvation. And all the Bible tells me I'm just to stand in that liberty. That means faith in the cross because there he liberated me. Wasn't in a church. It might have... The experience might have happened to me while I was inside of a building and in a, in a church, but it might have also happened to me while I was out on a tractor on the North 40 or fishing at a pond or, or, or I could be born again anywhere as long as my heart believes by faith in the cross of Christ first. Mm. While the great captain of our salvation has commanded us just simply to stand in the liberty already given to us freely through faith in Christ and His cross. The really scary thing about all this is that if we fall into this place of law where only condemnation and death exist, we're once again in a place Christ, the captain of our salvation, can no longer profit us. The church doesn't know this. The church uh, drifts off to court, and no matter how bad it is, they just quote, well, He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me. And that's true, but he can be grieved for 80 years of your Christian life if you don't understand this, that if you don't keep your faith, not 30 years ago, right now, your faith must be in that Jesus died for your sins and you died in Him, with Him, and you were resurrected with Him. Listen, you can know that Jesus died for your sins and go to heaven and live a miserable life if you also don't know that you were crucified with him, buried with him. And when he came out of that grave on the third day, my friend, you were in him because you were immersed into him as he died on the cross, Romans 6, 3. If you don't know this, if you don't believe this, if you don't keep your faith in this, you're not standing in the liberty. When the Purpose Driven book came along, that was a play of the enemy to move our faith from the cross to works now. If we'll do this, God will. If we'll do that, God will. And that's a works and now God owes me mentality. Mm. And there are works that bring blessing into our lives, but it's because we are saved. It's because, listen, it's because we are servants 
And when the disciples went off and were sent by Jesus and did all those miracles and cast out devils and came back, man, boasting, my Lord, you, you should have been there. You should have seen it. What we did, what happened, what the ministry. And Jesus said, you better just hold it, fellas. You better just be boasting that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because we're servants. We're servants, not to be boasting in anything but the cross. And you know why Paul said, I only boast in the cross, and God forbids that I boast in anything else? Because the work of Calvary, Christ and what He did at the cross, is where the work began for us. It's where it began for you and me. And He is able to perfect, to perform that work in us if we keep our faith in that work. If our faith is not in that work, we get a purpose-driven this, purpose-driven that. Some preachers raised up by the devil uh, don't even believe in the Jesus we believe, in, we believe in and begins a mega billion dollar ministry telling people it's the words you speak that brings the power of God. No, now your faith is moved from the cross to the words you speak. And even name the ministry hidden hidden from, for years from the whole church, the believer's voice of victory. Using Scripture. Twisted. Because the only victory you have is in Christ. And the only profit you have of Christ imparting that victory to you daily, that daily liberty, that daily victory and freedom, is if you stand where you find yourself standing at that moment you were born again. You move your faith from the cross to the words you speak, to the things you think you have to do for anything, and then you will not be profited by Christ. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. I'm thankful that it, it, even though it's very painful to, to, to wake up one day and be in a place where God is having to remind us you're off track and Christ is not profiting you. He's not profiting you where you're walking. Only the humble man will be able to repent. Only the man that finds himself broken and, and, and contrite, lowly in spirit, will they accept this. Only those men who are willing to give up all the people that's been leading them the wrong way. You know, I said it on my Romans broadcast yesterday, but there's not one minister from the past that I was tied with. And let me say, they all know what I preach today. What Paul preached. None of them are in fellowship with me. And it's not just because they're not around here, because they fellowship with people that aren't around them all the time. The people who are of the same spirit fellowship. And this lady was in our church for a while. I might have shared it here last week. And she left and sent, got word back to me that she was just very fearful that Pastor Curtis had cut himself off from, from the ministers he'd been associated with. I want to tell you this morning, I haven't cut myself off from anybody. But the truth that I preach Amen. is the sword that has cut many a men away from this ministry because there is no unity. There's no unity. I'm not in unity with what they preach, and it's obvious because they have left me. Not one time have they said, why don't you come and preach that gospel that you're preaching that Paul preached to our church. And I'm not looking for an invitation because I, I'm a busy man. 
I'm just letting you know people cut themselves off. People are cut off from us because of the truth. We're not ugly and mean. We just tell you what the Bible says. And it's not our own interpretation. We're not allowed to have that. The Holy Spirit wrote the book, and he'll interpret the book. And Jesus said when he comes, he was going to interpret the Word of God in the avenue of Jesus Christ, because he's the living Word. Amen. But he says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. If you go and you trust in circumcision... You've been saved, you've been born again, you've been filled with the Spirit, you've seen miracles, but if you listen to what they're telling you, and you do go, even though you're saved, if you go and trust in circumcision or water baptism to justify your salvation, Christ can't profit you. The only thing God gave to justify you was the death of his son, the shed blood. Amen. The, the, listen, we're justified, Romans 5.1, we're justified by faith, verse 9, we're justified by the blood. We're not justified by water baptism. We're not justified by circumcision. The Bible says you're justified by faith in the blood, therefore to walk on the path of the just means we keep our faith in that which justified. Amen. And I understand that there are works that God wants to also see now are our works just before God. And the only way they are is if we're standing in this place of liberty and freedom because that's the only place the Holy Spirit can continue to do the work in and through us. It's not about our works. It's about what we submit to this truth and allow the Lord to perform the work through us. Jesus, again, began the work, finished the work at Calvary, and that work is the work He continues to perform in us. Notice when Jesus prays in John 17. We won't turn there this morning. Uh, maybe that will come out later in this ministry somewhere, but... He's praying to his father, and he says, Father, sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is true. And the only part I want to bring out of that this morning, who's going to do the sanctifying? Him. He's praying, Father, you sanctify them. This ain't something we can do ourselves. Father, you sanctify them. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. He gives us the avenue, but he also points to the one who's got to do it. You can't do it yourself. And if you don't stand in this liberty in which he began the work in you, in which he can continue the work in you, he can't profit you. That means the work he wants to perform in you until the day he appears, he won't be able to continue to perfect and perform that work. He doesn't just do it anyway. And Galatians is the book that reveals that. And everybody said, Amen, or O-B, and help me, Lord. Galatians is the letter that reveals that God does not just keep performing any way. It, in fact, tells us if we don't stand with our faith in the cross, which is where we receive the liberty and freedom, that Christ can no longer profit us. That means we've limited Him. That means we've actually set aside grace. 
which is the avenue in which he works. He does not work outside of grace. To be real, grace is him at work in my life. Amen. He worked salvation into my heart through what he did at Calvary, and he will, through my faith in that, continue the work in me. But it is his work. It was his work on the cross. It's still his work today. Amen. Amen. It's, you're, you and I are not going to be rewarded for anything we did. We're only going to be rewarded for what we allowed him to do in us and through us because it's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all about Jesus. He is creator. He's redeemer. He's judge. All things are from him, by him, for him, and back to him. And anything we even get rewarded for is just because we've submitted to him and what he did at Calvary and allowed him through that faith to continue this work in and through us. Outside of that, it's just us and we can't profit of him. And that's just truth. That's reality. That's why when ministers get up and use God's Word out of its righteous context, which means it's not being pointed to the cross and the only avenue that grace can bring the, the, the uh, status of righteousness, the daily fruits of righteousness, if it's not God's Word in the context of Calvary, it is not God's Word that can bring faith, but only flesh, and flesh corrupts. That's why so many Christians are quitting today because the Word of God is being used, but it's out of context. It's not, listen, James called it the law of liberty. That means to stand in the liberty, we must keep our faith in the cross. In that way, the Holy Spirit can reveal to us God's law of liberty where we can not just be hearers of the law of liberty, but doers and experiencers of the law of liberty. The law that liberates me, the law I declare, which is the law of faith, the law of the spirit of life in Christ that liberates others when they believe. Do you understand that? This is good stuff today. Amen. Mm. But you, you, you can't, and I know we can't spend uh, two or three hours on each verse, but I, I, this is one of those things you hate to leave. This is such a powerful comment by God the Holy Spirit to be told you, saved, filled with the Spirit, you've experience miracles you might have even been used by God to work miracles he might have worked miracles through you but if you move your faith from the cross Christ can't profit you any longer it makes us wonder about people that get up and say well God can still use people whose faith's not in the cross if there's no profit there if there's no profit there, and I know that comment just made you, bells go off. Well, now, brother, uh, I've heard, know what you've done. You've heard a lot of people talk about. But it makes you have to question that because if there's no profit of Christ, if I'm not standing in this liberty with my faith clinging to this message of the cross that gives me liberty but I'm and if it's not the Bible here says I'm entangled with a yoke of bondage and Christ can't profit me that means listen to me it means that he can't function in me what he needs what he desires to function and if there's no profit then there's no fruit of him through me well it got quiet up in here we can't just go with what we've always heard 
If we preach the cross, then somebody can get saved. If we keep using God's Word to preach the cross, those somebodies can live saved by standing in this liberty. But once we see them saved, if we think we have to have a different message now than what it took to get them saved, then, then we're going to just be putting law on the table and Christ can't profit us. Listen. The Word of God is telling us today, you and me, all who hear this, the Lord is reaching for us right now. If you're listening to this, it's not just a coincidence. He's reaching for you. He's telling you, if you start trusting in anything other than what Christ did at Calvary, then He can't profit you. That's a serious, sobering statement. And I've been there. I've had to admit that, confess that, and let go of all that I taught. I had to go home and eventually throw away all my VHS tapes and burn them. I had to throw away all the notes, a whole shelf of notebooks that I had, stuff that I wouldn't want anybody to hear now. Now, there was some good stuff in there if it pointed to the cross. But if it was God's Word I was using to point us to things we had to do to have the power of God, the provision of God, the sanctification that only God could work and that we were preaching we had to do, there was no benefit in any of that preaching. None of it. Well, God does the best He can do with whatever you've got. Not according to this letter written to the Galatians. This is a very sobering Message. This is a very sobering. This one you don't hear it preached very much, and when you do, it's just milked down and and passed over, and really, it's not studied, it's not taught, it's just read and kind of read over, and we keep going, and we don't really understand it. If we understood that we're only liberated and experience freedom through faith in the cross and told to stand there, then the purpose-driven, if Christians knew that, the purpose-driven life, the word of faith mess, would have never gained any ground in the church. But it has gained much ground. And let me tell you something, everybody who's gravitated toward that, even though they've been saved, filled with the Spirit, used of God to work miracles through, if that's what they grabbed a hold of, Their faith, not from being saved, but from having the power of God to live saved, has been moved from the cross, and now Christ can't profit them. Now, those of you who are out there disagreeing, there's nothing in the Bible that can refute this. And that's what we have. We have God's words that we cling to. We tremble at God's Word. We're not trying to get up this morning or every time we preach and make a point that, bless God, we're right That's not it at all. We're trying to show that God's Word is right. And He is giving us the context of Scripture, and I'll have to share that again today. It's so exciting, and all need to hear it, because most don't hear it, and most that do hear it kind of shun it and say, well, that's just that old fella. Listen, every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, write it down. Those of us who know this, the message of the cross, and claim we're clinging to it, this ought to be very exciting to you, and you ought not to be able to get up and share anything without bringing this in. Every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And righteousness is only revealed by the truth, Proverbs 12, 17, 
which is the gospel. It's only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and it only is imparted through the death of Jesus, Galatians 2, 21 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. You need to know all those things. You need to know what I just said. There's only one avenue of righteousness, whether it's the initial status of righteousness or it's us being able to, by faith, bear forth the daily fruits of righteousness that the New Testament says that there should be an increase of. An increase of the fruits of our righteousness. There's only one avenue of that, and that's in the place where Christ can profit you. That's in the liberty, faith in what Christ did, to offer us liberty that would free us the cross. See, the truth is the gospel. You can't separate them. I'm telling you. Powerful stuff. Hmm. But this is pretty important. This is pretty serious. Most of the church reads over this and, and they read uh, horrifying. This could be a horrifying statement to the person who's been found off track like I was, sweeping the floor in that old warehouse, reduced down to just, just as humbled and, and not really humble, but humiliated. <laughs> Just brought down, ministry collapsed, and I thought it was over. Really no more desire for ministry. and didn't Just lost all my faith in all the things except for one thing. God, I know you love me, and that's all I know about anything anymore. Because so much I'd believed and trusted in had collapsed and didn't work, and there I was, Lord, just reduced down to one thing I was clinging to. Lord, I know you love me, and that's all I know. That's it. I doubted tongues. I doubted the baptism after being filled. I doubted this. I doubt, and I had reason to doubt a whole lot of stuff that I had been preaching and having preached to me. And I ended up in a place where I said, God, I don't know anything anymore except that you love me. That's all I'm guaranteed of at this moment. And God began to show me just what that meant through the preaching of the cross. Amen. And when I finally accepted and acknowledged and submitted myself to my life, my family, to the message of the cross, that which liberated, that which makes hope alive, that which brings all the profit of Christ into your life in experience, then it all began to happen. A church started. A growth began. Hope became life. You know why? Because God was able to get me back to my first love. Not a message about first love and me going outside and saying, praise God, I've been brought back to my first love. Because I heard him and oh, you've got to be broken down through the experiences from an honest heart that'll say, this is not real. I've been faking all these years. Listen, Paul had to get to that place. And if Paul wasn't willing to get to that place, then Paul wasn't going to be able to be used by God. But God knew Paul would get to that broken place where he finally admitted, okay, Jesus is Lord. Okay, the cross is the answer. After many toils and many snares, trials and tribulations, he got so broken, he had to just end up saying, all right, I'm determined to know nothing else. I, I'm not going to boast in nothing else. Once you get the answer that the cross is the answer. You're going to boast in nothing but this. Teach nothing but this because everything else is nothing but a snare to men. 
And if I'm in a snare myself, all I can do is set the trap for my congregants. Even if I don't know I'm doing it. Even if I have heart, uh, heart for them and tears for them, uh, sadness and all that, does, all that does not move God. What moves God is the result of the prophet of Christ coming into my life. And that is not an experience for any Christian outside of having my faith right now today in what liberty me and brought me into this freedom. And again, I'll say it, James called it the law of liberty. That's the Word of God he's talking about. Think about that. So faith must come by hearing the law of liberty. Amen. And liberty is only offered through the cross. Another confirmation that every word must pass through the cross. Not for salvation alone, but for daily salvation, victory. Everything that you're praying and asking God for will be the profit of Christ in your life, in your ministry, that cannot be experienced. And even if you think you got all that, if you ain't preaching the cross, it ain't God that gave it to you. The enemy will finance everything but the gospel. The Lord is the only one financing the gospel. Well, it, it ain't that narrow, brother. That's a little too hard and narrow. You're not broken yet or you wouldn't be saying that. A broken man will get down to the place where he says, I don't have an answer anymore outside the answer God gave me. When we've still got a golden calf answer, something we built maybe for 40 years that I'm hearing what this preacher's teaching and if I really believe this and go with this, my wife's going to have a problem with me. Because this message will bring so much turmoil inside the family, inside the relatives, that things ain't going to be the same at Thanksgiving and Christmas no more. Are you willing to give that up for the truth? Are you willing to count everything done today for the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ? The knowledge that can excel you into the things of Christ. Instead of out there just working yourself to death and claiming that it's the Lord. It's not the Lord. Don't care how much work you've done and labored over if your message is not the cross. Because only through this message can the prophet, and I mean P-R-O-F-I-T, the scripture we're in, verse 2 of Galatians 5, only through the liberty and the freedom, the avenue it comes that Christ afforded us this liberty and freedom, can the profit of Christ be experienced. It is this narrow. Not being mean. It is this narrow. Jesus said, listen, they won't get mad at Jesus, they think, but they'll get mad at me. If you're mad at me for telling you how narrow this path is, then you're mad at Paul and you're not believing what he wrote. You're mad at Jesus. You don't think Jesus gave Paul this if you're mad at me over this. You wouldn't have followed Paul and you sure wouldn't have followed the most narrow-minded man that ever walked the earth, Jesus Christ, and said it himself. There will be very few that come to this path, that walk on this narrow road. Some people have called us elitist. If you're calling me an elitist, you're calling Paul that. You're calling Jesus that. Because this message is not about just us people, we're the only ones right. We're not. 
But we're a part of the few of the ones who have the Word of the Lord in its right context, which is righteousness, which only comes through the cross. Amen, Brother Curtis. Now watch verse 3. He says, For I testify again. The Holy Spirit saying, I'm not done. Say it again. I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. What's he saying? If you go after water baptism to justify your salvation. And I mean, we should be water baptized. But that doesn't justify my faith. My, the cross my faith being in the cross, the blood, my listen, my liberty and freedom justify my faith. Obedient acts we perform because we are children of God. I guess you could say in a sense, they do in, in a sense justify that we are, they testify rather, that we are the children of God. We've repented from our sins. We've trusted Christ through what He did at the cross to liberate us, to free us. But He's telling them here, if you go get circumcised, that means you're trusting in that now. And that's something that was given to them as a law. You're under law now. And if you go back under law, Paul is trying to get us to see you can't be profited by Christ under law. And if you go to trusting in one work that you have to do, then now you're back under law, and under law, you're responsible for keeping the whole law. It's kind of like a person who goes bankrupt. Let me give this example this morning, because I've been there and I can give it. When a person goes bankrupt, they're no longer responsible for whatever those things are that they filed on in their bankruptcy. But if in that bankruptcy, you go and you make a payment, let's say you lose your house, your land, or your vehicles, and during that bankruptcy, you take money, and I've been through this, this ain't no myth, this ain't no my thoughts, this is reality. If in that bankruptcy, you take money, and you go make a payment on that land, that land comes out of that bankruptcy, and it's not now you again are responsible to pay for that land. But in the bankruptcy, by the law, you've been removed from the legality, the, re the requirements, the obligation to pay for that land. You're no longer responsible for that because it's covered in the bankruptcy. But if you get some money from Uncle Joe or Aunt Bessie, and you take it and you make a payment, that comes out of bankruptcy, and you once again, are responsible to make every payment on that again. It's your land, but you got to pay for it now. It's no longer in the bankruptcy. I've been through that. The Bible is here telling us that if you go back to thinking you got to do something to be saved or do something to have the power of provision in your life to live saved other than keep your faith and to stand in that liberty wherewith Christ made you free, now you're obligated as a, under law to obey all the law. That's what the Bible says. Let's read it again. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. What happens when we go back under law, when we begin to move away from the cross, and we trust something else, These listen, these are already saved people. 
They're not trusting in something to be saved. They're tr- to being told now that really they're not saved unless they get circumcised. But they are saved. And you and I could be told the same thing, that you're not saved unless you also do this. And the Bible tells us that if we believe that, we can go back under the law and now become obligated in our minds and in our hearts, not in the eyes of God, to keep the whole law, and no man ever has. Jesus came to redeem us from being under the law, to put us under grace. It's powerful. Now let's read verse 4, and I know we don't have but about four and a half minutes, but we're going to read it and jump back into it next week. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are, or think you are, or believe you are, justified by the law. Why? Because you are fallen from grace. Fallen. You can't fall from something you don't already have. These are Christians who've been delivered from law, brought under grace, lied to now by preachers, and brought back under law means they've fallen from grace, which is the only place Christ can profit you. So when someone comes along and tells you, I hear they're down there talking all that cross stuff, all they do is open the Bible and point to Calvary, but you've got to know there's more than that. There's people out there saying that about you and me. And every time somebody has ever said there's more than the cross, and you say what, and they tell you something, it's law. Anything other than the cross and what Christ did is something you got to do. And that means you've gone back under law. Now you're in a place where Christ can't profit you because He can only profit you through grace. He brought you from under the law and put you under grace, adopted you into the family of God. The Father did so that now you could benefit. He gave you His Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.12, so that you could know the things that He can freely give you now. Law is what you got to work for. I'm doing this. If I'll do this, then God owes me. No, He gave us His Spirit because He was able to get us from the law under grace. Give us His Spirit. Now we know if we're walking after the Spirit, which means faith in what liberated us, what He can freely, desires to freely give us. He wants to load you up daily with benefits, but they're all free. Under law, you work for what you get. Under grace, you believe Christ worked for what you get. That's huge. That's the only avenue of grace. What I've said has been a mouthful today. It's something that we already know, but we don't know it good enough because we all at times still think that if we'll just say these words, things will get better. We, so many times we wake up in our day and we have issues, we have problems, and before we ever even think about taking them to the Lord, taking them to the place by faith in the sacrifice where the knowledge that we need can come, the wisdom can come, we're sitting there trying to figure it out how we're going to work it out in the flesh. I'm speaking for myself. I know all y'all got halos on this morning. 
We resort to the flesh too much. And I know things have to be carried out through our fleshly bodies, but listen, Jesus has promised if we'd seek Him first, His kingdom, His righteousness, everything would be added to us. What does that mean? That means He'll be able to profit me with everything I need to to know this, to know that, to, to see that excluded, to see that added, to see all these things I need in my life. I'm not working for them. I'm trusting Him for them. Because I don't really even know what I need. He does. Amen. He knows what I need. That's why He's obligated Himself to giving me what I need if I'll seek Him first. If I'll keep my faith in the cross. Because let me say this. we got about 40 seconds left. Ain't nobody. I'm in Texas. I can talk this way. Ain't nobody seeking God and finding God without faith in the cross. A lot of people may be seeking God, but nobody finds Him. He's only found through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Well, that's about all we've got time for today. We will uh, continue this next week. I pray that you join us. uh, Share it on social media so others will have an opportunity to hear the Word of God in truth. And and, uh, we love you. Uh, We're praying for you. And until next week, God bless you. And stay determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified.